0: And now a quick note from our sponsor. What's the number one piece of jewelry, maybe besides your wedding band, that you wear every day? I don't know about you, but for me, it's earrings. No matter how busy I am, I put a pair of earrings on every day. And I keep an extra pair in my purse for earring emergencies because let's face it, we are all super busy. Try the Complete Luxury Earring of the Month Club, where you will receive one pair of earrings every month. The whole idea of the Earring of the Month Club is to build an earring wardrobe for you to have a variety of earrings, no matter what the occasion, no matter what your mood, you will have earrings to wear with your outfit. Many of our customers tell us they would not have picked out some of the earrings, but love them. And once they put them on, they wear them all the time. For your Earring of the Month Club experience, go to completeluxurybox.com forward slash earrings. That's completeluxurybox.com forward slash earrings with an S. Welcome to Multiple Revenue Streams, the podcast for anyone who wants to start a side hustle, business owners who wish to expand, entrepreneurs who build brands, and moms who build empires. I'm your host, Linda Payan, and I'm here to encourage you to keep going, do the little things every day, and start building a revenue stream that you are proud of. Please sit back, relax, grab your sparkling water, and let's find it. Welcome to the MRS Podcast. Today, we have Natalia Zacharin, who in 2019, after years of working for other firms, opened her firm, Zacharin Consulting, a firm dedicated to empowering businesses to understand their financial health and give clarity so that they can significantly improve their bottom line. Zacharin Consulting offers strategic bookkeeping, monthly accounting, remote CFO services, tax planning implementation, and financial intelligence programs to help businesses. Businesses thrive. Everything they do is based on driving value to their clients to help them in navigating the complex landscape of entrepreneurship. Natalia was an executive director of a nonprofit for three years, nominated for Best of Hartford, nominated for Top 50 Women in Accounting 2023, former master gardener, master naturalist, scout master, salsa dancer, and nature photographer. Welcome Natalia.
1: Thank you so much, Linda. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're thrilled to have you here today. First, I would like to kind of get started to see why did you start your business saccharin Consulting?
1: Sure. It was not something i had planned so a lot of people talk about do what you love and what you're passionate about none of that was what what was going on with me i landed in the financial world by accident when i was desperate for a job and someone was looking for an invoicing clerk back in 2014 i started my financial career as as an invoicing clerk Uh, in that position i started growing taking on a lot more responsibilities the cfo at the time really liked me When they laid off the controller, I walked into his office and I said, whatever she was doing, I can do for you if you show me. And we had a great relationship and everything was going really well until he left and they started changing management and everything started changing for me as well. So my growth potential, I saw very radically started changing. And by 2018, 2019, they started actually diminishing my salary. And I'm a single mom. I was living in Howard County at the time, which is a pretty expensive county to live in. I'd been in my house for over 20 years, so my mortgage was reasonable-ish. But I couldn't afford to really even sell the house and live anywhere else in Howard County because the prices had gone up so much over the last two decades. When they started to pull back on my, on my salary and this, and changing my responsibilities, it was becoming apparent that not only would I not have enough to survive, but it was becoming apparent that I had nowhere to go and grow in that business. So I tried to find another job. I was looking and looking and looking, but I'm, I was in my late 40s at the time, a single mom, and it was not a great economy. Of me and no one was even biting. I could barely get an interview, even though I tried everything to change my resume, to make it look like I was younger than I was, you know, like all the <laughs> tricks that you could do. Like I would take out any dates from when I graduated, all those things. And it still wasn't working. So I had just met a, a wonderful man that I'm still in a relationship with in 2018. And we were sitting in a cafe in Annapolis and he understood my situation and my company had just demoted me further they were trying to I think get a lot of the older people out to be honest and he said why don't you just start your own business and I thought doing what (laughs) and he said bookkeeping accounting you can start your own accounting firm and I was like oh you mean like I hire someone else to do the accounting and they make they make the money and like and I charge for it and then I make money off of that he said well yeah you could do that but you'd make a lot less. Uh, So it's probably better if you do it at first. And I was thinking, and that kind of just got the ball rolling. And I thought he was crazy. And I don't even know accounting. I was invoicing. And I started looking at uh, QuickBooks Online and taking the course, the ProAdvisor course, which is free. I went through a sales course on how to start a business. And I figured, well, in the least, it'll be something interesting and it'll help me get another job. So I never at any point thought I was really going to build a firm. Or, or do anything very large. And that was, I think, in September, October of 2018. In January of 2018, I was following the scripts of this business program of how to start your own business, word for word, and doing all of their exercises. And I remember on January 29th, 2019, I landed my first client. I didn't even have a proposal yet. I was panicking. So I landed my first client. Of course, it was really difficult. I completely undercharged. There was a lot more work than I expected. I had to learn a tremendous amount. It started the ball rolling. And at that point, I thought, well, I'm only going to do this part-time just to get some extra income in. But by the time I got my fourth client, the amount of time spent on working full-time, being a single mom, trying to be there for my child, and then working every waking hour I could on these four clients that I had. I was starting to not do well in any, I felt like I wasn't doing well in any part of my life. So I had to make a decision. And at that point I said to myself, I'm either all in or I'm out. And I quit my job on my 50th birthday. Wow. I that's
0: exciting. Had- yes. <laughs> And terrifying at the same time. (laughs) And
1: terrifying at the same time. I didn't even have enough money yet to even make my mortgage payment. Like I had nothing, only four clients. But I already had the feeling that I knew how to get clients. Of course, there was a level of panic. And I'm like, well, I've done this before. I've been in really dire straits before when I was going through my divorce. So I'll just figure it out. And by November, I got... I tripled my clients. I had 12 clients at that point. And by the following years, and now that we're in, in a, I think it's February 2020, March 2020, right before COVID, my business tripled again. So I just was all in. It was just me at that point. So doing all of this work. So at that point in early 2020, I had enough money finally to sustain myself. Before that, to be honest with you, my mom was helping me because I was going to be on the street. It was just not enough cash. I had maxed out all my credit cards. New credit card providers were not allowing me to sign up for more credit cards. And my mom's help was really just a Band-Aid to hold me over. And, and I was thinking, what are my next steps? Where can I go? What am I going to do?
0: Just for a place to live. Just bet. for a place
1: to live. So in 2019, I was officially on Medicare. Uh, so the state even decided that I wasn't making enough money as a family to be able to afford health care. So my health care was a zero. So our health care was zero premiums. And I want, I didn't even want to be on Medicare, but it wouldn't allow me to sign up for healthcare at all without, it, it was basically just, if you don't make a specific amount of money, it just does not even allow you to sign up for healthcare. Mm. Interesting. I did not know at the time, because um, I did not want to be on Medicare, but that's what happened. So in 2018, 19, we were on Medicare.
0: Okay. How you did you, how did you get those first clients? And then how did you, you mentioned you tripled. How did you go about doing that?
1: I started reaching out to people on LinkedIn and just using LinkedIn as my marketing tool. I signed up for sales navigator, which is a really great way to be able to search better in LinkedIn. So that's like, I think it's $70 a month or something like that. So I signed up for sales navigator so I can do more in-depth searches and that's all I was using it for. And I can actually just put in the credentials of who I'm looking for. So for me specifically, It was a business owner that had maybe a specific amount of employees in a specific region. So mine was USA-based business owners, maybe in in a specific industry like architecture or or service-based industry. And I would reach out to them and try to connect with them. Once they connected with me, I would message them and I wouldn't do these spam messages of that were five <laughs> paragraphs long that everybody that are put. annoying. Yes, that're <laughs> very annoying. Exactly. I would actually be really personal and say, hey, how are you doing? I would say out of uh, I made it my goal to reach out to 100 people uh, almost a day if I could to try to make connections for, for, with 100 people a day. So let's say only about 10 people would actually connect with me out of 100. Maybe two would respond out of the 10 that would connect with me, and maybe like one every once in a while would actually get in a call with me. But if you that none of that really takes a lot of time. And I think that the problem with most people is that they gave up because they don't see that it's happening. So it takes momentum and you you have to keep getting better at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about, well, let's not have an emotional reaction that this is not working. Let's just keep doing it consistently. It's not sexy, it's not fun but let's just keep doing it. And that's kind of what I was taught in, in the program that I read through. Program was really similar to like what Sam Ovens does. I think there's like a lot of programs out there where you just reach out to people and reach out to people and reach out to people and it's consistency. It was very frustrating. Like I still get dry spells, right? It's still very frustrating. I still do all of my sales and marketing myself. Just to get those first four clients and then get a couple more, I felt like it was never going to happen. And then on those days where you feel like it's not going to happen, it's not working, you never know; like anything can change within a couple hours. I I really felt like I was going to give up many times. I would feel I, w- I was going to give up, and I would just cry at my desk and then wipe my tears and say, "No, I don't have any other options. This has got to work. I need to make it work." So I would just keep reaching out. And I remember one day when I thought, "This is it. It's not working. It's not working." Four hours later, I closed two clients. So wow. you just never know what is right around the corner. So if you feel like giving up, you have to talk to hundreds of people. You're just not good enough yet. And you will get good enough if you talk to hundreds of people. It's a, it's really a numbers game and constantly tweaking what you do without an emotional re- attachment to it. Just tweaking it a little bit more and seeing what worked well. And how do I do more of that?
0: I love that. Cause it really is a numbers game and you could think of it as a game. It is a game and it's mm-hmm. fun. Wow. I didn't
1: think so at the time. <laughs>
0: I guess my point of that is if you consider it a game, it can be mm-hmm. fun because sometimes people are very nice.
1: Yes, it could be really <laughs> exciting uh, and, and people aren't really nice very nice sometimes. And I always, and I was taught this and I, I truly believe this. And this is what I tell people when someone's not nice to you, that means it's actually good. You triggered an emotional response and triggering emotion is actually what you want to do because people buy an emotion.
0: Right. It's not a bad thing not a bad thing. That's great. So you've been in business for 4 years. Yes. What is your client load like right now? And like what kind of clients do you have? Like what industries are they in?
1: Sure. So we have I think over 90 plus clients, close to 100 clients right now. I have Three other employees and I'm hiring for two more at the moment as we speak. And then myself as well. So that's going to be, we have four right now. We'll have six before the end of this quarter. Employees, most of our like our ideal client. So there's a difference between an ideal client and what clients we work with. So we work with a lot of different clients and we will take anybody pretty much. But our ideal client is someone in the service industry or any service-based industry like marketing. We've got people in real estate. We've got people that are uh, technology companies you know SaaS companies we have a lot of architecture firms that we work with engineering and sciences those are uh, are some of our favorites uh, landscaping i even have a traveling nurse as a client we've had coffee shops we have everybody salons so we work with a lot of different people and we get a lot of we actually now have a referral system I'm still reaching out via LinkedIn, I'm still reaching out on my email campaigns. I do as much as I possibly can to be active in in groups. So, I'm part of the Business Women's Network in Howard County and that's a great group to be in for business women, very supportive group. Uh, I have two referral partners that are tax accountants right now as well. So from all of that and from clients, I get referrals. So from all of that, we just have a really big mix of clients.
0: I love that. Is your referral system, is it an automatic system integrated on your website or is it more word of mouth? Not at all. It's all word
1: of mouth. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I have two accounting firms that only do tax and we only do accounting and bookkeeping and CFO. So we do no tax. Uh, So And and when I mean tax, we still do sales tax and payroll tax, but we just don't do any of the tax returns. So since they don't, if if they have clients that have poor bookkeeping or a lot of questions, or they're looking for someone, we're an instant referral for them. And they also do very expertise, high level tax planning and, and implementation and strategies. And we actually have modeled our business after. Those so when I started working with another firm and um, I saw opportunity that their clients need help to implement these very high level, uh, difficult strategies in their accounting. So we've modeled our our business through that. So we actually created templates and how to make it white glove like white glove the situation and make it much easier for the client to be able to implement
0: this. Wonderful. So you mentioned that there are three buckets for building wealth, pre-tax, post-tax, and the asset bucket. Do you want to share a little bit of information about that for people?
1: Sure. So uh, our core business is accounting and bookkeeping and CFO services. And part of the CFO services is not just to do your accounting, making sure you're compliant, but to really help business owner understand how to build up their biggest asset, which is their business, and to build wealth. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're in business for is to build wealth. And and a lot of times it's generational wealth. In order to build wealth, you really need to focus on three different tax buckets. And most are three different buckets of of retirement. Most of us know about the pre-tax bucket, which is going to be your 401k and, and so on. And a lot of us are very familiar with that. Uh, and that's great. And that was a great way, especially if you have a fixed income and you're a W-2 fixed income earner, that's a really great way to start building retirement. However, that is based on the premise that when you retire, your income will be significantly less. But most people really believe in, in the pre-tax bucket, but the post-tax bucket is really important as well. So Roth IRAs, your universal index life insurance policies, whole life insurance policies, a lot of those have gotten bad names because people are very concerned about putting in money post-tax and then they're gonna be earning a lot more money when they're younger. So they're gonna be paying a lot more in taxes now. But the great thing is that more than likely, especially if you're a business owner and you have a lot of revenue streams uh, later on in life, you're probably gonna be in a higher tax bracket. So if you put in money post-tax now, that means you're paying the tax on it now it's growing tax-free all of those years, and then you get to take it out tax-free. So that's an important bucket to also have. So you've got the pre-tax bucket, which is going to be your 401k. You've got the post-tax bucket, which is going to be your Roth 401ks, your Roth IRAs, a lot of your index universal life insurance, whole life insurance policies. They all have gotten a bad name also because there are some folks that haven't done a a good job of implementing those and selling those in the financial industry. So you do have to find someone that really knows what they're doing. And then you've got the asset bucket. That's the third one. And the asset bucket could be a lot of people just think about owning your own home your own home is actually not considered an asset because you owe money on that asset. So when you are paying a loan to someone, they actually own that home. So your bank basically owns the home and you're paying it out to them. So that's not truly an asset or an investment on your part. An investment is when someone else is is paying for it. So you can own other properties, you can own other homes, or if you start a business, that could be your biggest asset. Owning a business isn't something that you're just going to work and make a bunch of money and then exit out of it, uh, you should always consider when you own a business on how to build it up to be able to sell it. So a lot of businesses are very sellable and a lot of people just kind of exit out and they either give it up, they give it away to someone or they step away from it. But we all should think about when we own a business, even if it's a side gig on how to build it up so that it's sellable, because it makes you run your business very differently. And there are different ways to look at those pieces. But if your business is sellable and you can sell it, that could be a much bigger asset for you that can make you millions and tens of millions of dollars in a very short period of time that no other investment can do for you.
0: Do you have two or three tips that you could share as to how to make your business sellable for a great exit?
1: Yes. So first, there's a lot of information out there. A great book is called Built to Sell by John Warlow. Very easy book to read. Basically, there are several things. So think about it in a way: if if someone wants to buy my business, they probably want to buy a business that's pretty established, that has a lot of recurring income, has existing clients, and can be run without the owner. So if you are the only person running your business and the only one that knows how to run your business, it's not as sellable. So you could might have assets in your business like equipment, or or maybe you you built software. So that's fine because that software can run without you. But if you're a, a service provider and you're actually creating service, so for instance, I do accounting. If I was the only one doing the accounting and I do it a specific way and very differently than anybody else, if I am the only one doing the work or one of the main people still doing a lot of the client work, if I leave, someone else taking over won't be able to do what I do. So you have to start building the business as if you're going to not be doing the work. Because if you're doing everything, it's really not very valuable. The second piece is some kind of subscription model that makes it a lot easier. So I love subscription models like the Netflix model, right? And accounting, it makes it easier for bookkeeping. So bookkeeping is a monthly recurring. It should be monthly recurring. If your accountant is only providing them information at the end of the year for taxes and, and they just spit out your tax return, that's not accounting. That's just compliance. Counting is really should be a recurring type of service. And for, for many different reasons, that is a subscription model where every month we do, a, you know, we have an engagement, we do a certain amount of work, it's a specific price, and that helps it to be really recurring. Having a recurring subscription model, it doesn't have to be monthly, could be Quarterly could be every six months, but as long as you have a lot of different clients, it's great to wake up in the morning on the first of each month and not start from zero. So if you can create something that's a recurring type of revenue that significantly increases your value as a business, it also helps your business to run a lot smoother because now you know who you can hire, what you can afford, you know what's going on in your business, and you can build from that. So those two things are really important. And I would say the third thing in order to make a business really sellable is to really have good financials. Being in the financial world, I can really understand that and see that. Having a good set of your balance sheet, your profit and loss statement, and being able to show from year to year consistent growth and to show the trend of where your business is headed, that adds a tremendous amount of value of someone looking because they're going to look back and see what has been the history of your business. So having very accurate financials is important for yourself to be able to make better decisions, but it also adds value to your business when you sell it.
0: I love that. Maybe you don't have this much, but do you have people say to you often, or maybe even in the beginning when you started this, that there's bookkeepers everywhere? hmm yes.
1: So people tell me that there's a lot of competition. So I've had clients or prospects, friends, people wanting to start their own business, their side gig. And so I I hear a lot of, there's so much competition out there. I'm not going to be able to get clients or they're stealing my stuff when I put it out there, my reply is this, I'm an accountant. There's literally, I live in town in a small town and there's probably 20 accountants just in this tiny town on every street corner. There are accountants everywhere. Literally since the internet, anybody could open up their own bookkeeping business and they have been. There's a tremendous amount of what someone else might deem as as competition. To me, there is no competition. Uh, Every person is really different. What they offer is really different. People work with people still. So it's your personality as well, or the personality and the culture that you build around your business. So having a mission and a vision and a culture are actually really important and really figuring out who is your ideal client what are your ideal services? What are are products? What are you providing and to whom? Those things are really important because all of those things really delineate who you are and remove the competition, to be honest, because people will buy from you and what's very specific. And then I wouldn't worry about people stealing your stuff or stealing your information because it's not going to be you or how you do it. They don't have the training that you provide. So it's still going to be different. I like to have the mindset of abundance and there are tremendous opportunities out there. There are so many, so many opportunities. There's so many businesses. There's so many ways to make money. We're so lucky to be alive when we're alive right now. When people complain how terrible things are, I'm like, have you lost your mind? We're, in the be- we're living in the best possible time that we could possibly be living in. And there's so many opportunities. So Having that mindset of abundance really opens you up to see the opportunity and grab it when you when it's available rather than to be closed off from it and be fearful and have a scarcity mindset and feel like there's a lot of competition. There is no competition. People are buying from you and buying what you offer.
0: One thing that I loved what you said when you filled out your form, you mentioned that Understanding your financials is crucial to success. You cannot get around that. Eventually, it will come back to bite you in the form of unhappy surprises, decreased profit, and lagging cash flow and higher taxes. So yeah. I, I do believe that's true. What would you like to add to that comment?
1: So I see a lot because we reach out and I do all my own marketing which is uh, and sales, which is wonderful. Eventually, I won't. I'm going to be hiring for someone later on this year. Just a quick note before I get to the financials about sales, since I I just tagged on that a little bit. I believe that every owner really needs to understand how to do their own sales, because how can you train someone and teach them what you do unless you can really get good at it? I see people wanting to just hire salespeople instantly, and then they don't even know if they're doing a good job and they can't train them. So doing your own sales really helps you hone in on who is your ideal client and what is your offering and what is your language. Now about the financials. Because I do my own sales, I can really figure out what people need. So I ask a tremendous amount of questions and I find that there are a lot of business owners out there that have no idea what's actually happening in their financials, in their business. For me, and and I know that it's because I do this for a living, but I can see what is happening in the business, in the financials. Like I can read the entire business. It's like the language of the business. I can see if their employees are efficient if they have enough clients, if they're providing the correct amount of services, if they're pricing correctly, if the owner's working too much in the business and not on the business. So we can see everything from revenue to profit to efficiency, productivity, customer acquisition costs, like all of those things are really important to look at. So a lot of people not only do not see and evaluate what's happening in their business, they actually have no idea. They either don't look at their financials at all. If they understand and look at their financials, they don't, and they, uh, and that's kind of rare, but if they do have financials and they understand them, they don't really know how to analyze them. And then if they know how to analyze them, they don't know what steps to take in order to make changes. So there's a lot of, of different steps to get from looking at what is happening in your business to understanding and analyzing what needs to be changed. And that's going to, that's a a constant recurring thing that's happening in a business because the business should be constantly changing. And then what steps to take to get there and even creating your key performance indicators, which are really important of this is where you are today. And this is where you want to be next year. This is where you want to be in three years. This is where you want to be in 10 years. And it helps you to constantly see where you are now and where you are headed. So the unhappy surprises happen when you have no idea where you're headed and suddenly. I mean, everybody's seen the news, like for instance, Enron, many, many moons ago when they completely fell apart, there were a lot of people that knew that it was going to fall apart. They just weren't giving that information and that information wasn't being disseminated correctly to people that were the decision makers. So if you're not looking right around the corner of what's going to happen, things can really fall apart pretty quickly. So you have to always know and anticipate and the numbers will tell you because where you are today isn't important. It's where you're headed. In finance, it's the trend. Just like when you weigh yourself, I feel like when you're, (laughs) you know, when you're, I I actually am a data person, so I have, uh, I weigh myself every day and I look at my bank account every day and I look at my financials at least monthly, if not more often, definitely look at my sales figures at least every day, if not weekly. So all of that information, it's just data. And what I'm looking for is not an emotional reaction to the data. But the ability to be able to tweak what I'm doing in case it starts going in the wrong direction. So it gives me time to pivot and and micro-correct.
0: I love it. I don't know if you can share this, but financially, where do you find your business right now?
1: Last year was challenging. I bought another firm last year. So I acquired another smaller firm at the beginning of the year. I took a year to pay it off. So while I was paying off, it was holding up some of my cash flow. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have now it's paid off so that's great. So I have significantly more cash flow and I learned a tremendous amount. So the acquisition was a great way for me to learn and help clients with their businesses as well as with my own business and and to get more clients to be honest. So it was just oh, all around it was a win-win for me even though it was really really hard. So where we are financially today is it's always a push and pull. So right now we are cash heavy But I'm also looking to hire some people that are very high, much higher level to take over a lot more of the work that I'm doing to free up my time so I could do more of that and then work more, even more on the business and keep propelling the business forward. As soon as I start hiring the high level people, a lot of that cash is going to start going in a different direction. And it, this feels almost unnatural. So now I know even before I hire another person, even though we feel like we're just busting at the seams, I actually have to really increase my sales at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that all kind of needs to happen at the same time. I really believe in building cash. So when people ask me, should I pay off my car loan? Well, how much is your loan? If it's 5%, and you're paying like $600 a year, maybe like instead of putting $10,000 away, like once you pay something off, that cash is gone. Maybe holding on to that cash is more important. So I'm very good at determining and building cash in, in the savings account and to reinvest back into the business. So we've been building cash and building cash and building cash. We actually don't have any debt. I have no loans and no debt except for my car loan building cash and building cash as much as possible being careful about how i spend and now so i have like a a bucket of several months worth of expenses so even if my sales fall and i hire someone and a lot of my cash is going to go i still have time to make changes so building up cash just gives you time it buys you time and that's what uh, i'm always looking for Uh, instead of uh, so we're always self-funded we don't have any loans i don't take line of credit Uh, I might take a line of credit at some point just to have that peace of mind, but I really believe in if I need something for the business or if I need to buy something uh, for myself to reinvest and and learn more, uh, I need to sell more. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So yeah, so we just constantly sell more, which is now in the position of hiring, selling and tax season.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot. So we're going to wrap this up a little bit. I want to ask you a few, a few quick questions here. What's the best advice you've ever received?
1: The best advice I've ever received is honestly sales is your biggest domino and will fix most of your problems.
0: I love it. What's your favorite app that you use for your business?
1: Well, my favorite personal app that I use for my business is QuickBooks online. Okay. Because we use that. We are in that all the time and that's really for most small businesses and even medium-sized businesses, that is the only accounting software that I personally recommend. I know I'm very proficient in about six others, and I know a lot of the other, the other ones as well. And QuickBooks Online, for the amount that it costs, which is very insignificant, it is an extremely powerful accounting software.
0: All right, good to know. And where can people find you online? I do have a website
1: at com. My contact information is there. I'm also on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. So Instagram is Grow Your Bottom Line. is my Instagram handle and I'm on LinkedIn under Natalia Zachron.
0: Awesome. We'll put those in the show notes too. I just wanted to say thank you so much for agreeing to be on the MRS podcast. What a wealth of information you are.
1: Thank you. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm so glad that you're doing this to help people. Uh, I think it's really important work that you're doing.
0: Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thanks.